Welcome to The Fix, the podcast made for the trades, where we sit down with inspiring individuals across the trades to discuss their unique take on the industry, including career paths, job site stories, overcoming challenges, and everything in between. I'm your host, Catherine, a marketer here at Odie, with my co-host and friend, Doug, one of Odie's resident experts in all things trades. The Fix is more than a podcast. It's a community, a community built to support tradespeople and inspire the next generation of essential pros. Let's start the conversation. Well, Doug, today we have two guests who are sharing their knowledge and experience, plus they are both products of Connecticut's technical schools. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I'm always excited. That's just who I am. But today's guest, they really hit home for me because these these gentlemen, they started off in the trades, yep. and now they've taken it to, they're part of an organization. They have over 1,000 students that are earning college credits. Uh, they have over 20 campuses available. They have 31 career paths with a 97% graduation rate. I mean, just awesome. absolutely phenomenal organization, and I think these guys are going to hit a home run today. I love it. Well, welcome Brent McCartney and Pat Carleglio from Connecticut Technical Education and Career System. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, everybody. You got it. Well, let's start um, by giving a little bit of background since we talked that you are a product of the system. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your background and what kind of got you to this point today? Sure, I can start. So I graduated from our school in Manchester, Connecticut. Um, It's Halachini Tech, and I was a carpentry student there and went directly into the field after school and uh, worked residential, commercial, um, until a friend of mine, uh, mentioned that I should get into teaching carpentry. And when I was done laughing about that, I, uh, I did, I, I started, um, teaching in Pennsylvania for about a year. And then I taught in our system starting in 2010 and did that for about eight years. And now I'm in my current role at our central office, um, where I oversee the architecture, building and civil carpentry, landscaping and masonry shops for the state. Very cool. Yes, I have, I have a similar, uh, you know, I I went to Platt Tech in Milford, Connecticut, and uh, I graduated from the plumbing heating department. I was on the work-based learning program back then, got started a crew and apprenticeship hours even before I graduated. I, um, I graduated from the school and I went right into the trade where I eventually opened up my own business. I had a pretty successful plumbing heating contracting business here in Connecticut, then uh, moved on to education. Actually, I started teaching adults. Uh, the apprenticeship program that we also offer here at CTEX, and then moved into 9 through 12 teaching, where uh, you now I'm up at central office overseeing all the programs. So I oversee plumbing and heating, uh, electrical, HVAC, and then plumbing, heating, cooling. So I oversee all the licensed construction trades. Wow, that's just awesome. And so many different locations, Doug, as you kind of talked about that they kind of cover. Yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, what is CTEX, um, you know, as a system, what is its purpose? And, and how does it provide value to those that attend? Sure. So CTEX um, is a district of technical high schools. So all of the technical high schools within Connecticut are within our district. So there's 20 locations, as Doug said earlier. Um, two of them are adult aviation schools. One of them is a technical oh. education center, and then 17 of them are diploma granting high schools. So our students, um, unlike in other states, are our students. So when they come to a, our building, they get their academics and their trade 
um, all all in the the same school. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so we have 182 days of instruction. So 91 of them are on the academic side, and 91 of them are on the trade side. And and so what will happen is ninth and twelfth graders will travel together, and 10 and 11 will travel together. So if nine and 10 are in trade, they're there for full day. Uh, 10 and 11 will be in academics. And about every 10 days, we'll say on average, they switch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have a question. So you had mentioned earlier about the licensed trades. Okay. So you bring these students in, you take them through the curriculum, you get them exposed hands-on, and then do you carry them through to their actual testing so they can obtain their licenses or how does that work? So, yeah, in Connecticut, you know, all occupational uh, licensed trades, you know, students would need to get uh, their on-the-job training uh, through a sponsor or, you know, a uh, contractor. But uh, our students receive all the related instruction along with the high school diploma. So in Connecticut, it's uh, any of the um, unlimited licenses in the plumbing, HVAC, or electrical fields. It's 720 hours related instruction and then 8,000 hours OJT, on-the-job training. So our students receive up to all 720 hours of related instruction up to 1500 hours of OJT towards their apprenticeship. And then we place a good majority of apprentices in Connecticut come from CTEX. So, you know, so they get, um, you know, they accrue their OJT hours while they're working. And then about three years later, uh, they go for a journey person's license. And then two years after that, they could get their contractors or master's licenses. Okay. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Now with the changing technology that we have, I mean, obviously every day you'll turn on your computer and there's new technology out there. What's your, what's your guys approach to staying current with all of these new technologies? You know, do you have a team for that? What, what do you do? Yeah. So uh, we have uh, program advisory committees that meet a uh, minimum of twice twice a year at each each of our programs that um, you know influence curriculum. So anything new and and uh, up and coming gets infused immediately into our curriculum. So our curriculum is never stagnant; it's a fluid document. So kind of like a living document that gets updated constantly. So like we're in the middle of a curriculum revision right now. So our teachers start the 25th, so they get introduced to all the new curriculum changes. Um, and those those program advisory committees are made up of industry. So okay. each each one of our programs, um, so not just plumbing in general, each plumbing separate program has their program advisory committee of the industry that's in their area so that their school um, kind of serves. And those industry will come in and they'll talk about the soft skills or employability skills that students need. They'll talk about those changes in technology. Um, and what happens is we we adapt our curriculum so that we can be the pipeline. So they tell us this is where we're seeing students lacking or this is where the field is shifting. So we adapt to that so that way our students are ready to meet their demands. I see. And we also, yeah, compounding that. So we actually have uh, professional development days that, you know, uh, Brent and I are uh, responsible for, for our clusters. So any new technologies, the teachers will get trained with on that new technology right. during these PD days. So it's it's kind of like a whole holistic circle that you're looking at. Yeah, okay. and it's hard to keep up with technology. I know that we say everything, you know, new products that come out and new ways. And also I would imagine mm-hmm. from codes and everything else that evolve and change that it's important to have that, especially from the industry. So that's that's great news. Yeah. So can you talk about um, what programs and career paths um, do CTEC schools provide so that we get a little bit better understanding of what that looks like? 
Sure. So at CTEX, we have 31 career paths, as Doug alluded to earlier, and and really all over the place. So we have hairdressing, we have uh, transportation trades like automotive, collision repair, diesel, um, a lot of IT trades. Um, and then obviously Pat and I oversee the nine construction trades, um, which we've mentioned. So each school is designed uh, I think our school with the lowest amount of trades has about nine trades, and the highest is the one we're in right now, um, which has 15 trades. Okay. But those trades, again, are based on Department of Labor data, um, and, and so we can make sure that we're meeting those demands. Mm. So throughout the state, it's a little bit different at each school just to make sure that we're hitting that demand. And one of the cool things that we do when students come in in their ninth grade year is called exploratory. Okay. So each school has, like I said, their separate trades. Well, now students will get to go for two days in every single one of those trades so that they can kind of see what plumbing is, what carpentry is, what IT is, what um, hairdressing or culinary. And um, then they get to pick three shops that they kind of want to dig a little deeper into. And they go back for four days to really learn the pathway, learn what they're going to do with their time with us and after so that they can make an educated decision about their uh, about their future. I love that because I was going to ask a little bit about what's the evaluation period look like. And I would imagine it's probably a combination, a little bit of both of them talking about their skill sets, but then also getting exposure to the different trades, which is it's a great opportunity. I would love to just go and dive in a little bit deeper, you know, for a couple of days. It'd be such a great experience. Yeah. Being from the trades myself, you know, having that exposure to multiple ones that helps me find my niche you know i i may have a bad experience on one day but if i get to come back on day two three and four i may see a little bit different side so i think that's fantastic you guys are giving those multiple day experiences and, and doug you mentioned being from the field yourself so are all of our teachers so uh, your typical teacher would have a master's degree in their field um, to get certified Ours have a minimum of eight years of experience in their field mm. to get certified. Nice. So every single one of our teachers, whether it's in criminal justice, carpentry, anywhere that it is, they were in that field. So when they're teaching, it's not like they're teaching out of a book that they don't know sure. what they're talking about. Yeah. They're teaching the the theory that's in the book, but then also the, the little tricks of the trade. You know? Yeah. If I'm ever up there, maybe they'll let me guest teach one day. What do you think? Oh Kathy? boy. <laughs> I don't know if you'll ever leave. Yeah. Uh, the teachers uh, for the license trades, they, in, in addition to what Brent uh, just said, they also need to have a master's license in their trade. So uh, unlimited plumbing license and plumbing, unlimited HVAC license and HVAC and unlimited electrical. So that's great. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's a requirement. Uh, Brent's going to talk probably a little bit about uh, pr production work, off-campus production. So the re reason for the master's license is for permit permitting. So for oh, permits that makes for sense. Houses. So talk to me a little bit about a child that's in eighth grade and they're maybe interested or their parents want them to explore or they, they you know, a counselor says they should should look at to uh, into CTAC. How does that path uh, look and how do you get students or recruit students into your program or do you not need to recruit? They basically, um, you know, have a, a, a wait list to sign up. What does that look like? So, so we do have a wait list to sign up, but we do recruit heavily. Um, because, you know, for, for a while in, in, in this country, if you didn't go to college, then, you know, you weren't going to be successful in sure. life or that's what society told us. Right. Right. And so we kind of had to show that that wasn't true. So we do get into middle schools, our uh, counseling departments do get into middle schools with some recruitment materials so that they can see what 
uh, a plumber's pathway looks like, right? And and that you can be very successful in those fields, but but all of all of the trades that we have. So we we do recruit pretty heavy. Um, I would say that um, in the last couple of years there has been a shift, a noticeable shift, um, in, and we've had a lot more interest. Uh, you know, I think people realize now that there you can be very very successful in a construction trade or 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 in a trade in general. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, what about maybe someone who is, um, do you do anything to support those that have, are past the 12th grade and they're interested? Do you guide them to a different area or do you help support? How does that work? We, yeah, actually we have a very vibrant adult education apprenticeship program that we offer at seven of our 20 locations. And uh, they're spread out across the state to make it more strategic and uh, convenient for an apprentice to take courses. Um, We have a, we have seven schools and we have close to, so last year's enrollment was 3,106 enrolled uh, apprentice students. So it's, um, you know, so the Department of Labor currently has something in the area of uh, 6,500 apprentices. That's a fluid number. It changes constantly. Yeah. But we we provide close to 89% to 90% of all those apprentices in the state of Connecticut from our day school programming and our evening adult (laughs) apprenticeship coursework. Yeah. That's impressive. I would imagine you also probably have a pretty good bank of employers in your areas of where your schools are that are saying me next. Uh, I'll take another one. I would imagine that that's sometimes got to be a challenge too. Being being one district really helps that, and being state run. Um, I mean, we have eleven, roughly eleven thousand five hundred students daytime too. So being so large, you know, it, it is industry is constantly trying to. Uh, team up with us, partner with us. We talked about the professional development. Uh, usually that's sponsored by industry. So when we are introducing new technology or new skills, um, usually an employer is more than willing to help us with that. Sure. Um, also like career fairs, scholarships, um, we, we do get our fair share of uh, help from industry. Yeah, I would imagine so. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. So can you talk to me about what uh, support and resources, you know, are those for, um, let's say they get in and they're now an apprentice. What if they want to change a career path or they, they need some more education after they're done with their time at SeaTech, um, Is there an alumni program? Is there a way that they can give back? Is there a way that they can continue to learn? So with this um, increased interest in the trades and, and kind of the shift in society's perception of the trades, we are creating um, what's called the Career Center. Um, uh, the director of the Career Center, Carrie Markey, will be creating a platform just for that. Um, it will be a way for employers to reach our current students and to reach our alumni. So we're pretty excited about that. That's going to launch this fall. And, and I think that that's going to be a game changer for just the connection or building that network. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine so. Well, obviously, everything that you've told us so far is absolutely impressive. Now, I'm a guy who likes to look into the future. So my question would be, from where you're at right now, where do you hope to grow to in the future? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I, I think that in the future, we would like to expand. We would like to take the seven schools that we do at night and expand that. Um, Cause we do that right now, those, the, the seven after school programs offer apprenticeship classes, but I do think that we can expand that into other realms and other trades. So I do think that 
expansion is is of our locations would be good. I think that we would be able to hit maybe some of the job classes that we're not currently hitting. I mean, we have 31, so I think we're doing all right. But, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, but, but as we talked about, industries are constantly changing, right? AI, mm-hmm. for instance, is going to be big. What what do we have to do to prepare students to be uh, you know ready for that shift? Um, so yeah, I think just expansion of our program. Yeah, yeah, we're we're currently offering a lot more classes than when I first started in my position. This year, we're actually uh, starting an automotive after school program over at the uh, in our school in Bridgeport, and then uh, we're also uh, starting a hairdressing. Because that's a licensed trade in Connecticut, so um, uh, we're starting the new hairdressing program at our locations after school as well. And then we also have a, another avenue for students who didn't choose our um, uh, nine through twelve pathway, and they, if they want to come to CTEX, let's say they went to a, a local sending town school, high school, they could come. We have a what's called a career academy. So we take uh, nine, you know. 10th and 11th graders, 12th graders that didn't te- choose CTEX but want to learn some CTE after after school. Um, and that's been a very successful program. We, we piloted that at uh, Wilcox Tech in Meriden, and it's expanding every year. That's amazing. Yeah. So if, if let's say another school came to you from a different state and they had said, what is the one thing or a couple of things that you would highlight that you would say are the things that really changed the game for you at CTEC or really helped you um, kind of grow and expand to where you are today? Could you, what would that advice be? So I anticipated this question. I'm so happy that you asked. Hey, all right. (laughs) (laughs) So I I would say a couple of things. Um, First is industry. You have to be relevant within your area. So you might like a trade, but if kids are not going to get a job in that trade, then then that can't be your focus. You have to focus on industry needs. And then also you need to talk to industry about what's going to make your students, whether they be adults or, or um, children, what's going to make them competitive. So for us, that is credentials. We look for any credential that we can give kids, OSHA 10, OSHA 30. Um, Pat's Plumbing Shops get a bunch of installation um, credentials, right? Mm-hmm. So so I think that that's huge. And I think the second thing that you need to do is you can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. There has to be experiential sure. learning. So here at CTEX, what we do is we do what Pat talked about. Um, we've uh, we call it the student workforce. We have really two veins of the of the student workforce. So the first vein is with our teachers. So they go off and they do live work um, for customers. We call it production. Mm-hmm. So we have a fleet of buses. Every one of our construction trade teachers has their CDL and they bring kids out to jobs. So they're doing real uh, rewiring houses or redoing services. They're um, putting on additions, building homes, sheds. They're swapping out furnaces and boilers. So they're getting that real hands-on experience. And then the second vein is what we call work-based learning or WBL is where the student is teamed up and they actually go with an employer and they actually go to work instead of coming to school on Mm. their trade cycle. So they will go and get that hands-on experience with the employers. And I think this is really what sets apart the training because learning it in a book or in a classroom is much different than touching it. And, And when we talk to employers, the employability skills are almost more important than the the sure. content skills. We hear that all the time. And you can't teach employability skills in theory. You need to put kids in situations where they have to put their phone away. They have to come on time. They have to be in a uniform. They have to communicate effectively. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the only way to do that is to practice. So those would be the two things. I would say reaching out to industry and, and providing the practice through 
excuse me, experiential learning. Yeah. And I would and, imagine uh, also students would want to do that too. I mean, if, if they're going into the trades, it's because they probably have a desire to be more hands-on, uh-huh. to, to not be in a classroom all the time. So it probably also fits their needs that they know, hey, listen, I'm not going to be behind a book uh, for eight hours. I'm going to do a little bit of balance of both. And they actually, the students who are, uh, you know, in my, my trade areas, they actually need to be registered as a pre-apprentice through the Department of Labor. So they accrue hours towards their on-the-job training, towards that license that they're eventually uh, end up getting. So it's, it's, it's an awesome experience. Yeah, that is amazing. Yep. So we talk about at the end, we always like to close with kind of your vision and hopes and dreams for what you would like to see for the trades in the future, you know, with the work that you're doing, and your knowledge and background, you know, as as you're looking as Doug says, round third and head home for uh, retirement, or uh, in the next 10 to 15 years, what would you love to see uh, the trades evolve into? And I love that perspective from both of you. Oh, I, I would like to see, just like Brent said, that more expansion of our adult opportunity. We Currently, we have one uh, tech ed center that serves adults. You know, it's it's, it's like a full-time uh, two-year program for the HVAC program that I run there. So I like to see that spread across the state. So if students who don't want to go to school at night, they, they want an opportunity to go daytime to, uh, you know, have an opportunity to go someplace regionally right. around the state uh, to get their um, training. Yeah, that's great. For me, I would like to see the trend continue that I'm seeing now. So I'm seeing um, safety being, a, you know, a number one concern on most job sites now, mm-hmm. not just big unionized or big commercial sites. It, it's all over now. And I'd like to see the perception of tradespeople be the same as doctors and lawyers and teachers and, and all these other um these other fields, because I, you know, I grew up a trades, going to trade school and being a trades kid. And, and sometimes you think to yourself, and I've heard this on some of your other podcasts, you think that maybe you're lesser than these other people and and you're not, right. but it's how society saw us for, for so long. So I would like to see that trend keep going and, and, and have trades people be proud of their profession and be proud of what they can do. And I want people who are not trades people to also be proud of them. I want them to see that it was a viable pathway and this world yep. would not exist without us. Yeah. So that that's what I would like to see. Yeah, I think that's excellent and a great way to close. Um, we, we couldn't agree more. And I just want to thank you both for taking time this morning, telling us a little bit about the work that Tech is doing. And um, obviously, hopefully we can figure out a way to support you through some product donations as well as banners and uh, help support the work. So thank you very much for, for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thank, thank you. So much.